Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Hey there, sorry to interrupt. Did you know you can now support the podcast on Patreon? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash tfadpod, where your monthly donations will help support what I do in producing enjoyable and thought-provoking material. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. My name is Damien, the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad. Hope you're doing well. It is a pleasure to have with me today, Kenny and Monica from Questioning Faith. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, you, you sound like you're on, you're on the other side of the world. Yes, we're actually in the evening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you, yeah. so you're 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 behind. Hmm. Right. What happens? <laughs> oh, um. Well, because we're on a flat Earth, you see. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Damien is uh, meeting with us from Australia uh, through Zoom, and uh, we're going to have uh, a pretty delightful conversation uh, today talking about young Earth and old Earth creationism. That sounds like a topic I'd love to discuss. Yes. So where, where do we start? Well, um, I suppose we could start with um, really young Earth creation, like why people buy into this young Earth creationism. Yeah, why do people think, I guess as a fundamentalist Christian, I heard a lot of people believe it was between six and 10,000 years old and 6,000 mm -hmm. was seemed to be the target number. Mm -hmm. So I guess a good place to start would be like, why, <laughs> why do they believe this? Well, because when the, when you believe the book hook, line and sinker, you have to change your outlook to match the book. Yes. No matter the, what the evidence is. Correct. Correct. Um, and this is the funny thing in that um, the book doesn't actually say how old the Earth is. Um, right. The reason why people have come up between six and 10,000 years is because of a gentleman named Bishop, uh, Bishop James Usher. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you don't know if you've heard of him. I think he was an Irish. He was an Irish bishop, I think, from the 1800s, if I'm not too mistaken, mm -hmm. who right. actually who actually worked backwards through the genealogies. Uh, to come up with a to come up with a date of when the Earth was uh, created. Yeah, I, and so um, that's. In, that's sorry, okay. uh, no, you, you go, yeah, you I I actually I had heard about this guy um, in some of the the studies that I had done when I was training to become a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, we we basically recreated his uh, backwards timeline um, mm -hmm. on our own by reading through the texts and trying to get all of the dates as correct as we could. Yeah, you follow yeah. the genealogies and it says, you know, this man begat this man at this age. So then you can count all of the ages and yep. then later yep. you can count the ages of the Kings. Yep. Correct. And yep. So yeah, you can basically get around 6,000. And so when, uh, and I think they run that also when they say begat, they literally mean like the son of, so not like a descendant or an ancestor of, right. but, because there are some people uh, in the old on the old Earth side who would use mm. the begat to be like a, an ancestor, like you know, like or, like someone someone was a descendant of. 
So yeah. because because of that, that that time gap, then um, yeah, you could uh, um, yeah you could you could squeeze more years into uh, you know to to put the Bible into to make uh, the Bible line up with what we see in uh, in geology, in biology, and yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways for Christians to rationalize and to or to keep for going with their faith, believing in evolution and the Bible as the literal world word of God. Like to me, it doesn't seem like you have to negate evolution to be a believer because there's still so much about the world we don't know. Because evolution doesn't explain where the earth came from. It just kind of explains life. Well, well, actually, well, actually, this is well. This is one of the uh, fallacies that I find uh, that young Earth creationists make, is that when you say evolution, they also they criticize evolution because ah, oh, how does evolution explain uh, why explain uh, how the Earth got here? Yeah, it right? doesn't. It doesn't. That's not the, even our argument. No, but that, yeah. that but they will attach yeah. that they will attach things like that. To say, ah, evolution can't explain that. Evolution can't mm-hmm. explain that. Even though, e- even though you know, all evolution to do is to do with biological organisms, but they right. add, you know, um, stellar evolution, like you know how how the how the universe came about, um, mm-hmm. how the planet Earth came about, um, you know, all all this other stuff. Now, uh, just before we uh, go to the next topic, um, so according to Bishop James Usher. Um, the universe was created around 6 p.m. on the 22nd of October, 4004 BC. Wow, that's very specific. Yeah. Yes, uh, I actually, <laughs> yes, that, that was the thing. He was very, 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 yes, very specific about how. Um, I suppose this the 6 p.m. is because of the evening and morning. Correct. Yes. Yep. That's, yeah. That's, that okay. sounds that sounds about right. But um, okay. yeah. So again, so so the reason why creationists go yeah say about six thousand years is because yeah once you work all the way back and you know he, he this guy begat this guy who begat this guy um all that kind of stuff yeah all the chronologies you finally get back to i don't know why he went 6 p.m like what's wrong with what's wrong with 5 30 yeah right I, I, I don't i don't quite i don't quite know but in I think, his culture 6 p.m marked evening <laughs> i true yeah that's probably that's probably that's probably the thing <laughs> But um, this is the thing, like when you, uh, yeah, when you're uh, bound by creed to never believe your book could be wrong, you then come up with, oh, the earth is only, the earth and the universe are only 6,000 years old. Uh, God created all these kinds. Um, of course, there was an ark, a wooden ark that had, you know, two of every animal mm-hmm. and sometimes seven of the clean ones. Even though there's no definition of what a clean animal is, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, stuff like stuff like that, and then it gets very interesting when you confront young Earth creationists with people like uh, who was it, Dr. Francis Collins um, mm-hmm. of the National Institutes of Health, who was also the director of the Human Genome Project, right. uh, pro- right. prof- Professor Kenneth Miller, um, Dr. Theodosius Dobzhansky, um, all these people who were you know by well, I suppose Bible believing Christians, but they just didn't take it literally. Yeah. And so you get and to yeah. this, and so you get to this thing where like the young Earth creationists uh, have this pride about them because hey, we're taking God's word literally, mm-hmm. and all these old Earth people are twisting the Bible to fit their their preconceived ideas. But even then, it seems like a stretch because. Um 
or it seems like a contradiction within the fundamentalist faith, because when it says that Jesus is a door, people don't expect that the book is meaning that Jesus is a literal door. Like they take <laughs> metaphor and story, yep. you know, and they, they acknowledge that it's not a hundred percent exactly what you see is what you get. But then when you have the Genesis story, yep, they stick to what you see is what you get, even though like one of the things I remember us discussing early on is in Genesis one, one, you have plants made on day four. Yep. And then humans made on day six. But then in chapter two, you have humans made first and then plants. Hold on. Wasn't, so, it, wasn't it chapter two that Adam was made first, then the plants, and then on the last on the last day, Eve was made because God couldn't find someone to help Adam? He couldn't find a suitor. Yeah. But yeah, no creature right. was good enough to be a helper. So yeah, and then he does Eve. But yeah, it's like... So they don't... They know, don't these line fundamentalists up. don't account for how you have two different yeah. creation stories going but on. But it doesn't wreck Christianity at all. Like you just say, well, the, the point of this story that the author is trying to make is how creation happened or how God's hand was it, like that it's more a metaphor or, or that it's more of just a creationist story. It doesn't have to be exactly the words that are presented. But this is the thing, that there seems to be no set heuristic uh, as mm. to when something is literal, as to when something is metaphorical. Yeah, it's just what feels right at the time for the individual, given their culture and background. Correct, correct. Um, for example, uh, where where was it? Um, in Joshua 10, when the sun stands still. Um, mm -hmm. Like now we know that the earth is a spinning globe going at, you know, 20,000 miles per hour. Um, right. if the so the, the only way the sun the only way the sun could stand still is if the earth stood still right and so wait so we mean that everyone just shifts you know that many yeah. miles or it was the one time in the bible that it was accurate like the sun was still it got it right for just one verse exactly but there's no um <laughs> but there seems to be no um how can i say like the, the, the only thing that demarcates between what is literally true and what is supposed to be metaphor is personal common sense. Right. So if you, so if you don't think, oh, um, the earth didn't really stand, like the, the sun didn't really stand still, it was something else. Like the sun appeared to stand still or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or whatever. You know, the, you, you then come up with all these uh, colourful and inventive ways to uh, keep yourself in the cognitive dissonance. I right, think, I think is the best best way of putting it. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I did that myself. Um, in, in fact, this uh, young Earth creationism is is where I started. Um, it was one of the very first things that I became disenchanted with in Christianity. So, but, so what happened? Well, um, just being confronted um, over and over with the facts of biology and the facts of evolution and how these things actually work and going to museums and seeing the fossil records and all of these things, realizing, well, something's off here. And so yeah. um, in order to really keep the cognitive dissonance going, because um, this was long before uh, I even considered that Christianity might not be true, um, that that was impossible. It couldn't be that, that this was all wrong. It was just Maybe we just have a wrong understanding of this. And so I latched on to, um, it was a paper. Oh man, I can't even think of the name of the guy, but it was, it was an old earth creationist Yep. Um, who makes the case that the word yom 
in Genesis one yep. is not always used for day um, in the Bible that at times it's used for age or, you know, months or years or a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I took that and I was like, Oh, well now we can, I can run with this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the lineage back to Adam is only 6,000 years, but uh you know, the we, creation story was long. Yeah, we yeah. can we can add millions, billions of years if we want. <laughs> okay. Right. And then to, I remember I remember you saying that, and you know, that was one of your explanations to me um when I would ask you questions about creationism and old earth versus young earth. And then one of my follow-up questions was, well, like you have the fall happening when Eve eats the apple. And that's when all humanity and all of the world is condemned to the sin. But you have fossils of dinosaurs who died way before the fall of Eve. Mm -hmm. So you already have death before the fall, which doesn't make sense if you're going to be a fundamentalist, like (laughs) even sticking with the Yom explanation. Right. I mean, there's, there's still, I still was practicing a cognitive dissonance there. I wasn't fully thinking it all through. I was happy to have an answer, though. Yeah, that made it okay for me to keep being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I, 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 I was exactly in the same boat. As long as someone came up with a uh, a particular justification, um, and for me, I think it was to do a lot of it was to do with the uh, the Q hypothesis. So when you have mm-hmm. the fact that you know at least three of the Gospels uh, share a lot in common. With mm-hmm. each other, um, and you have these, you have these seeming contradictions. Um, the fact that you have things like the, the Q hypothesis, and you know, like the sayings of uh, a book of the sayings of Jesus, or some spurious, uh, some spurious defense. Well, hold on, someone's already thought of this, and they're respectable people, and they wouldn't lie to me. So look, hey, all right, someone's already thought about it. Yes, being a Christian is 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 justified and valid. And I think if this were maybe 15, 20 years ago, you know, I would have seen people like Ken Ham and going, hey, yeah, you know, this guy, you know, he's, he's not dodgy. He's not, he's not trying to lie to me. You know, he's, he's honest. He's sincere. He's, you know, trying to be as earnest as he can about what he sees. And look, he's got this defense. Um, yeah, he, he doesn't seem like he's wrong. Therefore, I can stay in my cognitive dissonance. Right. Mm-hmm. But exactly. I was, I was gonna say, I was actually quite lucky in that in in first year university, I actually took a course on on astronomy, and the the evidence for the Big Bang that they showed us was actually so strong that you know even even if like evolution is is a crock of is a crock of crap, and you know and sin is affecting all the scientific measurements that we're trying to do, the the evidence for the Big Bang, and there was a few different ways they 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 showed us. Um, yeah, there was no way that the universe could be anything less than like thirteen billion years old. Yeah. yeah. So, I, but I was, but I said I was lucky. I did that, so I kind of got yeah. the evidence kind of firsthand. And there were like field trips that we went to, you know, to do some experiments as well. And you know, so but so but if I didn't have that. I would have then gone. Well, hold on. The, the the starlight problem. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a creationist who has come up with a 
with a defense for you know why it looks like um, the there are galaxies that are 13 billion years away. Um, maybe there's something wrong with the telescopes. Maybe maybe we're all looking at the same at the same evidence, but interpreting interpreting it differently. Right. Yeah, I can actually remember uh, somebody offering a a an answer to the starlight problem of um, well, why couldn't if God is all powerful, why couldn't He just create the light already traveling that far you right know, it's like, just already it's, in motion it was already there <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. okay um yeah and you know to your to your point about like having that advantage of of university i can actually remember uh it was in college that i became disenchanted with this old earth or this mm-hmm. new earth creationism mm-hmm. um, and part of it is actually attributed to a college professor of mine who I had been reading the answer, answers in Genesis book and, and had been, you know, I remember going and talking to this biology professor and, you know, trying to argue with him, About the <laughs> you know, being this, old. this arrogant, you know, evangelical teenager. Christian teenager coming to his professor saying, no, you're wrong. I know you've studied this your whole life, but I know better. And, you know, I, I, I think one of my arguments was against that was against uh, like dinosaurs being old was was the dragon one like that. We have all these stories about dragons oh, all yes. across the planet. Right. So they must have lived so, with people. Yeah. So they must have been around at the yeah. same time. And he came back to me and he actually took me to an exhibit of an elephant skull. And he had me stand in front of the elephant skull. It didn't have the tusks in it. Um, and he said, what does this look like? And, and it, through conversation, we established, like, it, it looks very similar to a human skull, but with one eye, one eye yeah. like a cyclops. like just a. And he talked about how if we look at mythology of, of cyclopses mm-hmm. um, or of the cyclops, it comes from only from regions where um, elephants uh, tends to to roam and most likely like the the leading theory is is these people came across these oh, yes elephant skulls and and thought oh well there were giant humans with one eye and then uh, mythology bam yeah <laughs> you yeah. are right i'm actually i'm just googling uh elephant skull images and yes if you if you didn't know any better Right. You would see, yes, there is one socket. There's like one large socket for the eyes uh, yeah. with, with a little bit of a, a brow in the middle just to keep things uh, separate. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. there, there's no nose plate. And yeah. Yeah. But uh, that didn't mean that much to you in that moment. You, you made it noteworthy, obviously, because you've told me that story multiple times. Mm-hmm. So it was very noteworthy, but it didn't change your mind about anything then. But it was something, it was a piece of the evidence where later you were able to culminate it and you were able to get out of the logic because yeah. of it. And so it's the, it's to borrow from the Christian terminology, it was a seed. <laughs> seed that was, that was planted. planted, yes. Yeah. And uh, so it helped later. But the problem is most people don't have access to this education. You know, like a lot of people all over the world, and then especially in the Bible Belt in the South, you have good, intelligent, smart people. But when they're told about evolution, it comes with a warning label. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody believes this. It's not, it's, it's a theory. Yeah, it's it just might a not theory. be true. 
Yes, you have that yeah. warning. Now, there's no warning like that on the Bible. Oh, there's other religions. <laughs> Not everybody believes this. You know, it's just yeah. like, yeah, like, you know, you don't have that. But you have these big warning labels on everything to do with astrology and evolution mm-hmm. when you yeah. learn it. And so people just don't have access to the information a lot of the time. Have you guys seen Jesus Camp? No. no oh, yeah. oh, okay. It's a documentary about... Um, uh, it, it follows three children who are part of the same uh, fundamentalist church, I think in either Tennessee or Mississippi. And they, they go away for a camp to, I think, South Dakota, um, where they like all the kids are babbling in tongues. They're, they're praying against abortion. They're praying for George W. Bush. Um, mm. That kind of stuff. And then after that, they go like on a, on a field trip. They go meet Ted Haggard. Um, mm. yeah, great. That that sounds that sounds like fun. Um, they 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 pray they pray in front of the they pray in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Um, yeah, they do like pro life protests in front of the Lincoln Memorial, um, stuff like that. But okay. I think like all these kids are either homeschooled or um, the the textbooks they're learning from heavily reference creation mm-hmm. as well. So even if you do. Um, uh, how can I say? So not only do you have this whole anti-evolution mindset, but you then also have homeschooling as well, where you have fundamentalists who are teaching their children to be fundamentalists. Right. So it just keeps the cycle going until, you know, if you can find a way to keep yourself in the cognitive dissonance, then, yeah, you will, you'll teach your kids to do so and, and yeah. Yeah, because you believe it's accurate. You believe it's the truth, so you pass it along. Well, and not 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 just that you believe it's the truth, but you also believe that the other people who who don't have the truth are condemned to right. condemned to destruction. Yeah, and in, in some the versions, title. and in some in some instances, you are encouraged to to demonize those people who don't believe because they don't believe. Right. Right. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, you kind of touched on it, like the. You're getting this information from people you trust, um, mm. from people who uh, – a point I think Richard Dawkins made. Is that on an evolutionary basis, we're built to listen to our parents because those who do as toddlers and kids survive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. He suggests that. He's, he's not entirely sure that that's – 100% accurate. Definitely the, the case, it. but yeah. it, it sounds compelling that, you know, like we have a, a tendency to trust those who, who have raised us and – uh, and maybe yep. even an innate tendency to do that, an yeah. evolutionary drive to do that. And so, you know, if they're if they're teaching us these things, then they can't be wrong, right? <laughs> they could possibly be wrong. And then the people that they that, that they're listening to, and you know, all all that kind of stuff, they they can't be wrong either. So it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's this whole ecosystem of cognitive dissonance and yeah. uh, uh, what is it? Um, selection bias and they're like. Uh, well, what was the other one? Um, two quo quay and you know, all, all these log- logical yeah. fallacies uh, built together. But um, so in my in my young, uh, I will say I wasn't a young earthist, but I definitely was an anti-evolutionist. Okay. So, so, so so even though I believe that, so even though that I believe that the universe itself was old, the Earth, like I always weaselled out and said, look, the Earth could be young, the Earth could be old. I don't know for sure. Actually, that's where I landed. Yeah, I didn't have a hard rule either way. 
Yeah, mm. I didn't but, think it was but when it came to evolution, um, oh no, um, all the anti-evolution uh, results are being filtered out. All those people who speak against evolution are being silenced. Um, mm. You know, there, there's, there's a worldwide conspiracy amongst the scientists to, to kick God out of the textbooks. Mm. Um, yeah. all, 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 all that kind of stuff, and I had a, I had a like a very long stand-up debate with a with a guy from Creative Ministries International, and I I said to him, you know, hey mate, you know, it's very hard to say that you're honest when the people who you work for um, make you sign a statement of faith saying that no evidence against the Bible can be considered valid. You know, mm. you, can't, you can't, you know, you can't say that you're honestly looking at the evidence when, you know, your whole thing about your, the information you're presenting is that you, you just dismiss anything that says your book is wrong. Right. And so, he, and so he came back with, um, who did he come back with? He came back with Charles Lyle, uh, Charles Lyle's quote about uh, freeing geology from the dispensation of Moses. Mm. He said, well, look, you know, um, yeah, sure, we, we're up front about our biases, but, you know, you atheists and you naturalists, are you up front about your biases as well? Look, um, Charles Lyell, he said that they're trying to get rid of God, you know, and he then quoted Charles Lyell about, you know, freeing dispensation, uh, freeing, ge freeing geology from the dispensation of Moses. And so I came back to him and said, well, look, um, would you want your science to be shackled to Allah? Or would you like your science to be shackled to Zenu from Scientology or Moroni from, from, from uh, Mormonism? Right. right, yeah. Right. And then another like fundamental problem is like with atheists, if we were presented with new information that showed that there was a God, we would change our minds and we would accept that we were wrong. Mm -hmm. But with Christians, it's when you prevent and especially like the creationists, like you present all this evidence and all this information and they will not change their mind based on that because the book can't be wrong. No, exactly. And this is the thing. The book, the book can't be wrong. And, and, so the and, evidence and, means nothing. and if, and, and, and if the book is wrong, Oh, that part is metaphorical. That part is, is right. figurative. Right. And yeah. it's, it's interesting. Like, it's, well, it's interesting in that because um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I presented a case where um, Matthew five twenty eight, which is the part where um, if you where Jesus said if you, you look, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed oh, yeah. adultery with her. And oh, do, you remember, okay. do you remember? Do you remember what Matthew five twenty nine? What Matthew five twenty nine says? Uh, to pull out your eye is that Co what? correct? Your yes, eye causes you to sin. Yeah, correct. And, uh, if, pull it out. Yeah, correct. And so. Uh, all these fundamentalist Christians go, oh, look, Matthew 5.28 says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her. But then I, I don't see Christians who have amputated their hands or their fingers or who are right. missing eyes. You know, that, that part part's literal. Or, that yeah, part that is, part's metaphorical. Yeah, so that part is always literal, but Matthew 5.28 is always serious. Right. Huh. Yeah. It, yeah. It's... Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it goes back to that problem, that heuristic. There's there's not a standard for deciding, so whatever's convenient. And it's it's the morality of the culture, too. Like, I hear the argument a lot, you know, that you need Christianity to be moral, but it seems the other way around. You have your morality, and then you shape your Christianity around whatever your morality is. So mm -hmm. if your morality is don't have adultery, it's wrong, then you, you hold to the first part, but then violence is more wrong, so the second part is mm. just metaphorical 
and, and this 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 kind of heuristic comes up with slaves. Like I, I don't know of anyone who goes, hmm, geez, I'd really love to have slaves, but um, because I think God said not to have slaves, um, I, I won't have any. That's okay. Thank you, God. Right. Thank you, God, for guiding me in your perfect word to not own slaves. Right. Whereas if we were, you know, back in uh, back you know, back in Texas or back in Louisiana or in Alabama in the 1850s, yep. you know, not only would we be having slaves, also no, not not only would there be slaves, but there will be people waving the Bible around to justify right. why why they're holding slaves. Yeah, and and pointing to the verses that look like, well, this is how hard I can beat them mm, without it, it, getting in trouble. And, yes, you know, this is allowed. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the culture and morality that's shaping right. the text and how yeah. you use it. Like, and that's that's obvious and it's apparent and it's demonstrable. Mm. Right? Yeah, that that's what's happening. But I will say that uh, Kent Hovind uh, is right in one thing: that trying to fit millions or billions of years into the Bible does create some challenges. It does, because it does. There, there are challenges that can be overcome, but it does. Indeed, like for example. Um, like to me, I think I think that the original authors of Genesis, and I mean, and I say authors plural because there are definitely different inspirations and different styles in Genesis. Right. Um, I I think that they wrote with the idea that you know um, six twenty four six twenty four hour days with a day of rest, which completes the seven cycle, and seven mm-hmm. being seven being an important number. And then uh, there's a dome that sits over the earth, protecting us from the waters. Because hey, water is blue, and if we look up at the sky, the sky is blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a reason. And there's a reason why that that blueness doesn't come down onto the earth. Well, it's because there is a dome that sits over the earth. Um, I think if you if you imagine it like a reverse snow globe. Yeah, is the best is the best way is the best way of looking right, at yeah, it. keeping the water out instead of keeping it in. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, and so I I think the the Bible is a is is definitely a young Earth book, especially when you read it in English. Right, and yeah, and it's not just Genesis that does that either, right? I mean, there's uh, all manner of of references through the Psalms and. Mm-hmm. And the proverbs, right, to the four yeah. corners of the earth, or to the firmament, or to yes, all of these different things, yeah, um, yeah. And then I think there's verses where you know it says that the, the earth is held up on pillars, right, uh, yeah. as well. Um, and then like the waters, the waters of the deep, um, mm-hmm. and, and that that obviously means all the subterranean water that's in that's in the earth. You know, that's mm-hmm. uh, even though they, even though they had no idea that there was, you know. That kind of stuff because I have I have seen um, who was it? Um, there were two very interesting defenses that I um, that I saw. Um, Dr. Jason Lyle, uh, who is associated with Creation Ministries and Answers in Genesis, uh, he is a qualified uh, astrophysicist and he's he's published a fair bit. But um, he he has a hypothesis called the two way speed of light. And what that is is like when light is traveling in one direction, it's like super fast. But then when it's traveling uh, in another direction, like when it's being reflected off something, it slows right down. Mm-hmm. Which is why when when we observe light, 
um, we're getting the we're getting the slow version, which is then causing us to you know to see that like when the Hubble red when when, when we see Hubble redshift or when we see you know other phenomena, ah, that's because we're looking at the slow version of the speed of light, not the fast one where the light gets here in six thousand years. Wow. That's an amazing justification. Uh, that that is that is that is quite that is quite interesting. And um, if if that were true, then E equals M C squared would have to be completely uh, completely redefined. Right. Yeah, uh, he's he's completely ignoring uh, all of the literature mm. in his field. <laughs> yep, correct. And so I think when he when he publishes in like normal academic tones, uh, normal academic publications, you know, he publishes stuff that. You know, well, so I suppose fits in, or you know, adds to the body of knowledge. But when mm -hmm. he's when he's in a church, he will say, you know, well, look, um, this is what we think, or this is this is what I think. This is how I yeah. reconcile. Um, and the other the other name that comes to me is Gerald Schroeder. Um, there's a website called Six Day Science, and his way around the problem is that the first five and a half days were in this uh, quantumly stretched time. Okay. So that means you could then fit billions of years, uh, you know, into the creation account because time got, oh, I don't remember the exact justification, but if you go to sixdayscience.com, um, he's actually got like a, a, a um, what do you call it, a PowerPoint presentation. on, mm -hmm. you know, on And he uses like, you know, he talks about, you know, quantum mechanics and, you know, speeds of light and all that kind of stuff. And mm. then and then what happens is on day six when he creates man, that's when time goes to uh, human time, like what we observe as, you know, 24-hour days. So he uses, he uses like a dual version of the day-age theory where the first five and a half days are in this, you know, in quantum time. But then uh, from day six onwards, it becomes human time. Wow. Interesting. Which is, yeah. uh, I think, interesting is the is the way to put it. And uh, on on his, I know on his team, he's got a, a person named Doctor Sarah Sarah Salviander, um, who who herself is is a qualified astrophysicist, and yeah, she's kind of helped develop this really weird um, justification for how you know the Bible is still literally true, just not in the way that we think. Right. Yeah, just a different definition of what literally true means. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a that's a. But I've I always wondered like how the kangaroos and the koalas and the wombats from Australia both got to Israel and then came back to Australia. No yeah. bones with no fossils along the way. Yeah, Not so yeah, stepping away from Gen Genesis one and then mm. the actual creation account. Like, okay, well, let's yeah, let's leave that to these people who want to make the case for these quantum locked whatever, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you still have the problem of Noah, which is, is if according to their deal is now in the literal part, right? right. Correct. Yes. Yes. So we've gone from, so we've gone from a possibly a literal talking snake and possibly a literal um, magical fruit that imparts knowledge. Right. Right. Um, and all this other stuff, and then we go, we we keep being literal, where we get to a literal worldwide flood that literally covered every mountain in the earth, and literally two of every every kind. Yeah, and then seven of every kind of unclean kinds, like later. 
Yes. Right? right? Talk about like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven like the clean. Yeah, yeah. Not the unclean, the clean. Okay, yeah, seven clean, and then so yeah. so so they can be sacrificed mm-hmm. afterwards. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but no one's no one's really defined what a kind is. Right, that's true. I'm just yeah, trying to. In th- fact, doesn't uh, I? I do. I feel like Ken Ham takes advantage of that. Not in, just in not your- not just Ken Ham, my friend. Not just Ken Ham, but yes. Okay. No, keep going. You were about to say something. Well, no, I was really it was just that that yeah these these younger creationists they they try and take advantage of that of well yeah we don't have a definition of of kind so um that that could be um oh, what do, what do they do, do they do families or or just do species like maybe a lion and a lioness covers all cats and all <laughs> right kind of cat Exactly, and, 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 and joining is a completely different problem. And, and yeah. joining, you only had to take the baby one, so they wouldn't need to be fed so often. Oh, oh yes, yes. that's smart. Oh uh, <laughs> yes, but this is the thing: like even when you get to kind, um, you, you get such things like the flying kind, or the the crawling kind, or the oh the, the, the beast yeah. kind, which wow. is okay, sure, but that doesn't that doesn't explain like that just. That just gives like that just gives you a superficial uh, thing of what the animal, of what the animal is, also of what, what yeah. the animal does. It doesn't tell you what the animal is. It doesn't it tell. Seems, yeah, and it, it seems like a band aid solution for like an amputation, like because <laughs> yeah. that opens up a whole new realm of problems. Like, so do they now believe in evolution after Noah's Ark? Like, how are they even gonna? And very like, very fast evolution. Yeah, like Hi- in hi- hyper speed. crazy terms, crazy and, and- terms. And I think Bill Nye actually raised this in his debate with Ken Ham. Was that you know if there were only, uh, I think they come up with the arbitrary number two thousand, uh, two thousand kinds on the on the ark. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, so if you get from like two thousand uh, animals on or two thousand pairs of animals on the ark to the eight point seven million species that we uh, yeah, that we've that we've uh, discovered, um, yeah. you have to have like four and a half new species per day every day oh since since the flood wow and so if you find those and i think bill and i came with this this witty line you know if you find those 30 new species per week you know let me know and we can we can go discover them together yeah, yeah no it's just not how it happens you have like a a wing barely expanding you know in hundred thousand years you know you might get yeah. a slight noticeable change on something Indeed, but um, I, I think Conservapedia. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if they're still a thing, but I did read on Conservapedia some time back. Someone came up with an idea that uh, volcanoes exploded uh, with with the Australian animals on top that <laughs> caused them to fly like you know, like like a Krakatoa style volcano that was immensely powerful. That caused you know the kangaroos and the wombats and the emus and the you know and the bilbies and you know and the dingoes and all these other uniquely Australian animals to fl- literally fly halfway across the world and wow. somehow survived the drop. That's because wow. if I if I fall out of a tree the wrong way, you know I'm I'm likely to die. But right. if I get blown, if an animal gets blown from a volcano halfway across the world they they're going to be per- they're going they're going to be perfectly fine yeah mm. <laughs> yeah the never mind the fall the, you know 
the what about the velocity through the you know just all kinds of reasons why they they might have died uh, but we can ignore all that because it solves our problem it gets them to the ark yeah. it does well, it, it gets it get, and it gets from the ark to what we see today right. yeah but right. um uh, this is something we were talking about before we before we uh, recorded um uh Kent Hoven so as as mentioned as mentioned before I've been reading through Kent Hoven's uh PhD thesis on Christian education where he talks about um, he talks about evolution, but one of the other things he talks about is is time and the age of the Earth, and basically the way they try to positively make the case for a young Earth is by uh, questioning radioactive decay rates. Yeah. So you know, um, oh, they go, oh look, well, carbon fourteen can only give us dates to you know ten thousand years at best. Therefore, right. any therefore anything past that is is subject to speculation. Yeah, I I, I can remember hearing that argument and then uh, echoing it. Uh, right. At, at when I was in that uh, line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you, it just. Go ahead. I was like, did you ever get the moon dust argument? No. That the when 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 the when the uh, Apollo modules landed on the moon, they expected feet and feet of dust. But because there's only inches of dust, um, therefore the moon can't be the moon can't be infinitely old. Mm. There's that, or I think Eric Hovind. There's a video of him where he says that uh, Jupiter is losing more heat than it gains. Therefore, if Jupiter was billions of years old, it should be ice cold by now. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Or um, the the sea salinity. You know, the sea is uh, you know uh, gaining salinity at a um, a particular rate. Therefore, you know, if you extrapolate back in the past, the sea should either be, I forget what the actual argument is, but the sea should be either be infinitely salty or not salty at all. Um, therefore, you know, it can only go back, you know, a few thousand years. Or the biggest one is the population argument. If you double the population every 150 years, uh, if you start with eight people, you know, 4,000 years ago, double the population, uh, double the population every 150 years, uh, you get to 2021 and you have about 6 billion people. It just works out nicely. Hmm. Huh. It's amazing. I know. It, you, you have to do a lot of um, mental gymnastics Yeah. to to let those slide, you know, um, or to, to really buy into those. Or you have to just... Um, you have to really misunderstand what the science is really saying about those mm-hmm. or ignore, uh, you know, you know, the radioactive dating, mm-hmm. like ignore that there's more than one element that we can use for radioactive dating or, right. or, or, well, yeah, or isotope dating. Yeah. That's part of the problem too, is they'll ignore science that, uh, disproves their argument or doesn't support their argument for whatever their belief is but then if there's a branch of science or what they deem as science that supports their <laughs> theology then they're all about it yeah like oh yeah this science is trustworthy because it supports my ideas well look and so if, pick and choose actually that's a very good point you make monica because um if uh carbon dating on the shroud of turin showed that it dated back to uh uh, Roman antiquity Jerusalem, then hey, mm-hmm. you know, science is proving the word of God. Isn't it exciting to be a Christian? Right. 
But when, you know, those same radioactive dating techniques, you know, show the uh, the universe is billions of years old, then it's like, hmm, I, I think the curse of sin is uh, affecting the results. Right. That's when <laughs> something supernatural is going on. Indeed, indeed. And, and I find with uh, with young Earth, uh, young Earth creationists, um, I, I do find their cherry picking of science to be quite um, disingenuous because right. um, young Earth creationists, you know, they trust medical science. They trust engineering science. They trust uh, electrical science because even young Earth creationists go to a doctor. They fly on planes and they use computers. So all, all that is okay. Right. Yeah, it, when, there comes, yeah, you're right. Keep going. No, as I said, but when, but when it comes to you know geology and astronomy and biology, oh no, um, there's a worldwide conspiracy to kick God out of the textbooks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there's a, there's a cabal of you know of of evil, and and the sin is causing the uh, sin must be causing the microscopes and the and the telescopes and the you know and the mass spectrometers to you know um to be miscalibrated. Right. You know. As happens, right. you know, like sin is one of those things that you know research scientists account for in their in their estimations. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Sorry, so Mark, you were about to say something before I got got carried away. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. I, I am not hundred. I think you covered it. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're good. No, it's good. Because then you get to um, we all have the same evidence, but are interpreting it differently. Which is which is right. another another classic line that I do find uh, fundamental uh, young Earth creationists give is you know well you know um, well of, of course you know yeah sure um, those isotopes you know sure they look they look like they're saying that they're billions of years old but you know um, if you change your mind to a to a biblical worldview then you know that there, there, there's something you know it's just a, yeah it's, it's 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 the same evidence but of course we're looking at it differently. And it's a bit like, um, like you could use that to say JFK wasn't assassinated. JFK had a, a an egg implanted by aliens inside his head that exploded right at the same time that Lee Harvey Oswald fired his rifle. Right. Yeah, right. We, so, so we saw we saw um, we, we saw JFK die. Um, we saw something pop out of his out of his head, but that that wasn't a bullet because we can't find that bullet. Um, you know, and it looked like um, it could well be an egg that exploded inside of his head, and then the this uh, magical anthropomorphical chicken that is interdimensional uh, just floated away. That's why you can't find the chicken that exploded out of the egg inside of JFK's head. So that's <laughs> right. what happened. That's what happens yeah. when you have the evidence, but you don't have the right interpretation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Of course, and of course, the only right interpretation is the one that backs up the book. And right. then, so you have people, you have preachers who say, "Ah, oh, all truth is God's truth," and I, mm. I don't I don't know yeah. what that I don't know what that means. Yeah, well, it's it's ambiguous enough that it can mean anything, yeah. right? It, if it backs up the word of God, then it must be correct. Yeah. Exactly, your interpretation of the word of God. Yeah, indeed. But um, what what justifications did you hear for the talking snake in the garden? I guess I've heard that it's literally true and that it happened mm-hmm. and that it's just a metaphor for the first sin in the yeah. fall of humanity. I, I I think, yeah, I mean, at one point there was the metaphor part of it. I believe, though, 
in, in, you know, like Sunday school and stuff growing up. Mm -hmm. I I think I remember somebody saying uh, something about, you know, like that, that was part of its punishment is that it it lost the power of speech. Oh, Uh, okay. Yeah. You're right. I've heard that too. But didn't uh, Satan then walk up to Satan and talk to him in Job? So he took a different form there. Right. Oh, well, oh I... <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. well, and that's, uh, that argument though is, is one that's, that's saying that the, the serpent is not, is not necessarily really Satan, but rather was inhabited by Satan or was being used by Satan. Right. I mean, oh, like yes. the, the punishment for the ser- to the, the serpent was to have to crawl on its belly. Um, that in, that's not a punishment to a an angelic being. Right. It's a punishment to an actual physical animal. Mm-hmm. But if the if the serpent was possessed by Satan, then why is the serpent being fault. punished? It's an excellent question. <laughs> yeah. It, it's sort of like um, this vicarious punishment that God is infl- inflicting on the serpent. Um, right. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't like, the, the, like the perfect God of perfect justice is punishing an animal for something that it apparently had no control over. Well, yeah. I mean, if if we're thinking about it that way, I mean, that fits right in line with the God of the Old Testament. Um, <laughs> like just, I, I do think that is a. Um, a fitting description or a fitting trait for the God of the Old Testament. Um, just looking at what we had talked about with, with David and the census mm-hmm. and it's David's sin, right? It's David's screw up. And then all the people are killed. It's the people who are punished. Not oh, right. Yes. Because in your last episode, uh, David, a man after God's heart. Right. Yes, and I think maybe she'll put a link in the uh, put a link in the episode description because I think that was a that was a very interesting very interesting episode where yeah um uh, where either God or Satan depending on which book you read caused David to take a census right and then yeah. God gives David a choice do you want three years of famine three months of war or three days of pestilence right um, David says ah oh, uh, I will rest on God's mercy. And God's mercy dictates that seventy thousand people die from a mysterious sickness. But not David. No, no the guy who actually did the sin. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a wise choice on David's part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trusting in God's clean. mercy, uh, God still got to get his anger out. He just didn't take it out on David. Right. Uh, but and then I mean, and that's not a, a standalone situation. Yeah, there's lots of them. Y- you can look at you know when Noah's son uncovers his na- nakedness, mm-hmm. and then. All of Canaan is punished for. Ah, yes, with, with uh, the, 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 the the curse of slavery. Even though God doesn't endorse slavery, right? Anymore, right. But he punishes them with it. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Okay. Actually, this is this is the other thing I find with uh, with the young Earth creationist theology, is that they will wholeheartedly disregard um, the Jewish commentary on on those. Or, firstly, what the words are actually saying in the original Hebrew. But then also what the uh, what the the ancient Jewish uh, scribes believed about those verses, mm-hmm. and I find this is one of the problems with fundamentalism is that you actually you actually lose a lot of color 
um, a lot of the commentary, a lot of the exciting stuff. Um, so if you you know if, you, if you're busy reading your, your King James only Bible, okay, you're just reading it in the you're just reading it in the language that it's been given to you. Whereas if you study um, who was a uh, Rashi, there's there's an old uh, Jewish uh, rabbi called Rashi, um, Maimonides, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's his that's his name. Um, or even if you read the Talmud or even like the Midrash or you know some of the other uh, Jewish texts. Um, the story of Noah that like they have some really 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 interesting ideas about about the the, the flood of Noah mm. and particularly what Ham did uh, with his dad afterwards and I've heard some pretty uh, NSFW interpretations of what Ham did uh, particularly what it meant by uncovering his dad's nakedness yeah that it was that's a euphemism right uh, correct for- yes. For something, yeah. Mm, for uh, something, for something sexual to do with uh, possibly his mum, right? Oh wow! Yeah, if you, I mean, you can even make that inter- interpretation uh, probably even without the Talmud, right? If you go to um, Leviticus, mm-hmm. oh goodness, is it eight seventeen or eighteen? We're talking about don't uncover the nakedness of your of your family, or don't ah uh, yes, yeah, nakedness, yeah. And it's very clearly not talking about don't take clothes off. You know, don't just don't just take their clothes off. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely something uh, nefarious going on there. Further than just he uncovered his father's uh, genitals and then laughed at him. Right. <laughs> and then then told his brothers to you know, hey, guess what, you know. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. But but yeah, this is the thing. Like, and for example, um, uh, I, I get into this argument uh, a lot about the word firmament. Um, mm. The original uh, the original word rakia in uh, Genesis one. I forget exactly which which verse it was, but the the Hebrew word rakia literally means like a, a piece of metal that's been beaten into shape that covers something, mm. and that is meant to be the like the dome that protects us from the waters uh, from the waters oh. above. Yeah, but because some translations give it as vault or atmosphere, they go no, nah, no. Nah, it just means all the air that's you know, it, like it doesn't obviously mean a piece of metal that's been beaten into shape to protect us from the outside world. No, no, no. It can't can't possibly be that. <laughs> wow. So but they're it, adapting it some, but yeah, adapting it some to fit what's going on, but mm, correct. Just can't quite get all the way there. But it is then interesting that. Um, uh, Christians, like when they find a Jewish uh, verse that backs up their interpretation, they go, ah, yes, the, the ancient Jewish scribes believed this about, it didn't mean that literally, it actually meant this. But then, right. for, ev- but then for everything else, you know, the, the Jewish texts are her- heretical or they, they weren't inspired by God or, mm-hmm. you know, all, all, all this other stuff. Right. So, so I find that, that not only does uh, fundamentalist creationism um, pit, like mix and match the literal versus figurative, um, but it also then mixes and matches um, the Jewish the Jewish commentary on the scriptures as well. Right. So right. it's kind of like um, and I've I've got I've I've actually got a friend who is converting to Judaism from Catholicism, um, and that that's that's his thing. And he he actually says that the way that uh, particularly fundamentalist Christians take and distort the old Jewish scriptures is actually anti-Semitic. Mm. 
Right. And it's like he's actually he's actually got a point. You know, like if someone if someone took you know like let's say someone took the Christian scriptures and completely twisted them around and made an, a new religion, and then that new religion uh, sprouted up and started like running a two thousand year uh, persecution campaign against the Christians nowadays. You know, we, we, you know, you would call it anti-Christian. But when right. Christ, but when Christians do it to the Jews, it's like, oh, no, no, no. God, God changed his mind on you know point one, point two, point three, point four, right. point five. You know, God God had a son that he told no one about. Um, you right. know, all, all, all this stuff. It just is figuring out how to justify what you already believe with the uh, text. Indeed, I think I think you're actually I think you're actually you're actually making a good point there. You justify what you want to believe according to you know what's you know what's on the page yeah what seems right to you yeah what what you think it should be yeah and then you find your denomination or your religion or whatever that fits in with that indeed um so in your uh like kenny you were saying well kenny kenny mark you were saying to me that before you guys left left the faith you were in like in an independent fundamental uh baptist environment right we were so yeah. how, how did they how did they try to reconcile things? What was what was their justification? What did they? Well, firstly, well, f- firstly, were they KJV only people? No, so um, they uh, they were fine with any any translation and would actually often go to uh, the Hebrew and the Greek uh-huh. to try and talk about the words, but. Um, Really, what what their whole deal is about is is they just want to teach the Bible and what the Bible says, uh, which right that sounds like every Christian, but like they <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're they avoid any commentaries, they avoid um, the, anything that is that is extra biblical. Um, in fact, um, my pastor. Uh, took me through and and a, a another group of of young men through a program. He called it the Seven Ten Discipleship Program, um, which was uh, based on um, Ezra Seven Ten about raising oh, up a generation. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and uh, what he really emphasized in that program was. Uh, we can learn everything we need to know just by reading the Bible, and so um, okay. we, yeah, we we just went through the very first semester of it. Uh, we went through the Old Testament and did that Bible timeline of of actually looking at every single time years are mentioned and uh, outlined how long it is from Genesis to uh, the birth of Jesus. Yeah, and. <laughs> things came up that were a problem like such as story um like about young earth old earth or anything like that like their interpretation of it or how they get past it they would just teach here's what the bible has to say about it are there problems with it uh we know there's solutions because god wrote this (laughs) this is his truth so it's perfect somehow we might not know get to know how it fits together but here are some possible explanations. They might not be perfect. They might be wrong. They might not be the right explanation. But here's what the Bible teaches. Here's what we know for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we can go from there. It's God's 
uh, mystery to us if yes. there's a problem. And that seems yeah. to be a very anti-intellectual way of, of looking at it. It's like, well, okay, um, and this was me, you know, when I was a younger Christian, was it, well, okay, someone's made up an answer. I'll just accept that someone has made up an answer and I'll just carry on in my faith. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that sounds like what you guys are, uh, you guys, but what, what was that program called again? It was called the 710 Discipleship Program. He's not still doing it. But we paid a lot uh, of money for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah, I paid it a good chunk of money for it, and uh, it was. I mean, it's, it's one of his ways that he was paying bills. Yeah, and then you were ordained afterwards. Yeah, at the very yeah. end of it, we we got our ordination, and and then uh, one of the other uh, one of the other students and I, we came on as pastors at the church. After oh, that. okay. So, so it actually got you licensed to be, uh, yeah. It basically yeah, opened it the doors I, I, for you to, uh, yeah, to, yeah, to go on and be a be a pastor and and earn my living by by uh, Ezra seven ten. Yeah. Train up the youth, but make sure you get paid. Okay, so 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 how long how long did that course like like compared to Bible college? How long did that course take? We did it for two years. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was almost uh, a Bible college kind of thing. That was kind of what it was modeled after, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, in fact, before I before he started that thing, I was actually planning on going up to Minnesota mm -hmm. to go to Bethlehem Seminary with John Piper. Uh, oh, okay, and yep. Yes, yeah. that was that was my that was my plan, and to learn um, under this great man of God. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh. <laughs> it makes me sometimes it makes me sick to to think that how much I looked up to that man. Um some of the theologies that he teaches and mm. some of the things that he says it's yeah. it's just kind of disgusting. Mm. Um but uh yeah, that was my original plan and that was um it it fell through because of of poor planning on my part and Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and so my my pastor then uh, well, he he wasn't yet my pastor, um, but it was he was a good friend at the time mm -hmm. who I really respected as a pastor, uh, and he said, "Hey, well, I want to do this thing. I want I can do this program, and I can give you uh, really the training you need to be able to teach the Bible, um, and you don't have to move to Minnesota, and it's going to be it's a lot cheaper, <laughs> and <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, yeah, and." Uh, and it's 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 really it's the it's the philosophy that he's had in regards to the Bible, basically his entire life. It's how he taught himself. He didn't go to a seminary or anything. He thinks that seminaries are kind of almost a waste of time because they read all of this extra biblical stuff. Yeah, it's only yeah. the Bible that matters. So everything that they do is pointless anyway. Right. And this is this is the thing with fundamentalism, uh, especially in young earth creationism. Yeah, it is only the Bible that, that that matters, unless unless you can find a Jewish commentary that backs up your point of view, right? Or Correct. a scientific evidence that backs up your. Point oh, of view. so sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. I, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about the cherry pick science as well. I forgot all about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which, although, uh, to I don't know if I would say this. Maybe to their credit. Mm -hmm. um, neither one of the two pastors who were heading up the church at the time uh, really do that. They don't even pay attention to the science. Uh, yeah. They don't pay attention to those things. 
at all um, because they just write it off. It's and irrelevant. It's it's irrelevant to their life and to what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, so because, so so they're yeah. almost um, Church of Christ scientists then. Um, maybe I'm not entirely sure. I, I know what a Church of Christ scientist is. Oh, um, Mary Baker Eddy in the I think 1879, if I'm not mistaken, in New York, uh, mm-hmm. started a uh, a new branch of Christian, a new denomination called Church of Christ Scientists that um, basically um, it doesn't. Oh, just trying to think, like they they're very 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 reluctant to accept medical help on anything. Okay. Um, and because, you know, prayer is the answer to all your needs. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe like they, they have a, a similar uh, leaning on that. They, they do completely accept medical help. And I agree. They're, yeah. they're, they're accepting of scientific things as far as they are helpful in life, but they don't actually pay attention to the the literature or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in using it to prove or disprove their beliefs. Because their beliefs aren't based on evidence. They would they would say that their belief is based on... It's just faith. Uh, faith, yeah. It's yeah. not an mm-hmm. evidence-based system, so it doesn't matter what the evidence is. It's because, faith-based. Because, because when it's faith-based, it's not evidence-based. If you had evidence, right. you wouldn't need faith. Right. right. If you have faith, you don't need evidence. But then you try to get to, well, what's your faith based on? Like, what do you, where do you get this faith from? And what, what do you know is true? And how do you know it's true? And try to get somebody to point to something. And then they usually point to the Bible. But to me, that's evidence. And so now you're using evidence. Right. <laughs> like you, you've, you've in your evidence. And then you can, then we try and start talking about how, well, all right, here's why your evidence is flawed. Yeah. And why your evidence doesn't really hold up. And then they say, well, it's just faith. And so it's yeah. just, it's a circle. circle. Well, as you say, yeah, it is circle because, you know, um, how do you know the Bible's true? Because it says so in the Bible. How do you know mm-hmm. that's true? Because the Bible says it's, exactly. yeah, it's the Bible. Because um, one of the other things I noticed about um, uh, young earth creationists is that, and I think I, I, ra- I raised this point before, but um, uh, about uh, when you say evolution, you know, like when when you and I say evolution, we mean you know just biological uh, evolution. You know, mm-hmm. um, the inherent descent with uh, genetic modification. Right. Whereas um, I know Kent Hovind has his uh, six levels of evolution, which is I think stellar evolution, uh, cosmic evolution, chemical evolution. Um, wow. Yeah, so so when you when you say evolution to him, you know, it's either you know pride against God, um, trying to be godlike, or it's you know six different, um, six different types of evolution that are all mixed in together, and so yeah, when you say yeah, so when you try when you try to talk about evolution, like you know about you know the fossil record, ah, um, then then how does evolution explain you know this? And I, I know someone who he he wrote a blog post uh, saying, "Can evolution explain altruism? If evolution can't explain altruism, that means evolution is is bullcrap." Mm. Well, like to, well, to, to use the point, so many so many leaps in there. Oh, indeed, it's and it's like, well, but does evolution have to explain altruism? And this is the thing: like, right. why why do you think a biological theory of diversity? has to explain a, a psychological, a psychocultural phenomenon. Right. And what's your evidence that true altruism exists anyway? 
Mm, yeah. Well, so well, it's what, what is what is altruism? But then the other one of the other arguments is that um, uh, geology. You know, when you say oh, evolution, they go, oh, um, all the layers of uh, all the geological layers were laid down in the flood. Right. Yeah. But then, but then, even if even if that was true, you would still have to explain how we have all these basal forms of animals in the lower layers, right. and we see this increasing increasing complexity um, up to the 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 higher layers, and right. then we have to explain why we don't find Homo sapiens down in the same layers as the uh, as the uh, you know uh, what what was the example I found the uh, Australopithecus afarensis. Which is like a few generations before the Homo sapiens, and you don't right. find the Australopithecus afarensis's up in the same layers as you find the, the, the find the find the Homo sapiens. Mm. You know, yeah. so so even if even if our study of geology was completely wrong, you still have all this biological data that yeah. you have to explain. Right. It just it fits together with you know the biology, the astrology carbon dating like mm -hmm. all of it fits together perfectly and is explained by evolution <laughs> well and, and i think this is really pointing out like there's a there's a fundamental difference at the way uh, a scientist approaches evidence versus the way a believer would. Uh, a, a fundamentalist is going to approach evidence yeah mm -hmm. uh and right a scientist is. approaches the evidence sees it and then uh comes up with the explanations after seeing the evidence Whereas uh, a fundamentalist has their explanation. Yeah, they start with their conclusion and then find the evidence. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. they they piece the evidence into it. Yeah. So uh, what do y'all what do y'all think are the dangers of believing in creationism? Well, I was actually going to ask you the same the same thing because I think you oh, guys really? I think you guys have the bigger problem than than what we do here. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. <laughs> yeah. Because in in Australia we um. Despite the fact that we gave the world answers in Genesis, and I'm 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 so sorry for that. I really am. We if, accept your apology. Thank you. If we if we could take Ken, <laughs> if we could take Ken Ham back, uh, we we might. We might. Um, we yeah, could give we, him back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, as I say, like for me, the way I see it, it comes down to uh, what you would ex how you would know you were wrong. Right. About something. So, if you're if you're determined to believe that the Bible is is the ultimate authority on matters of history and science and religion and morality, then you would have no way of knowing that you're wrong on something. Um, right. For example, um, like if you were an anti-homosexual preacher, and, and you mm -hmm. came across a like a, a loving gay couple with kids who you know whose kids were you know, um, respectable and, you know, well-balanced and, and adjusted and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I don't want to say normal, but we'll say normal just to carry the argument along, you know. Um, but if you're determined to believe that children raised by homosexual parents are full of sin, then, one, you know, you're kind of changing the evidence in line with your mind, but also you're, you're leading yourself to believe that there's something inherently wrong with people who don't believe the same things that you do. Right, right. So you then have this very, very judgmental attitude about how mm -hmm. you are. Um, also, one, you have this you have this judgmental attitude, but two, it, it just in general, like if you're not, if you're not trying to, uh, how can I say, align your beliefs with the best 
a description of reality, then the only way you could be wrong is for reality to be wrong. Well, you know, no, sorry, 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 sorry. In young earth creationism, um, there is like, how can I say, um, reality would have to be wrong for young earth creationism to be right. 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 Yeah. Everything that we see uh, in evidence would have to be wrong mm, for indeed. this creationist to be correct. Right. Like, but I was going to say, in, in, in your part of the world, in the Bible Belt, uh, what unique challenges do you face? Well, right now, it's obviously COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like this creationist fundamental is part of the issue the mindset maybe not even the belief system as a whole but it's not the entire problem by any means no but i feel like it's part of it because when you don't understand evolution then you don't really understand how new variants come into play and how not wearing a mask um pre helps prevent that and how getting vaccinated helps prevent that you mm -hmm. know it's just and a complete misunderstanding of um how genome works and, there's yeah. that but it's also the the inherent distrust in authority as well right right that because also, you have an ultimate authority uh, indeed yes you have this <laughs> you have this ultimate authority who last spoke a few thousand years ago mm -hmm. yeah and and really it it spreads to really everything within the medical field mm. uh, like what you mentioned earlier with with the uh, church of christ uh scientists right that um, things, beliefs like, I mean, I have actually, uh, been, you know, in, in towns where there are people who they refuse all manner of medical help for their child. Right. Um, and instead invite elders to come and lay hands on, like James says, right. And, mm. um, and this, this kid dies. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and so this is something completely preventable, something that's completely, uh, solved through medical Modern science yeah. and uh, it's rejected because these people are so literalist and so mm -hmm. much uh, enraptured by um, this this creationism yeah. mm -hmm. that, uh, that they're not willing to accept something that is as far as they perceive it something that is against their beliefs right well, and that, it's that, not just affecting them, you know. It's it's affecting everyone and their kids and other well, humans. Well, I'll well, say you yeah, like, like the children, and uh, you what you're saying reminds me of the Jehovah's Witnesses, who mm -hmm. are famously against uh, blood transfusions, and right. even even just a quick Google search will tell you the amount of children of of Jehovah's Witnesses that have died because of the refusal for for blood transfusions. Right. It's just a not, they don't understand, I guess the reason they don't accept them might be a complete misunderstanding of science. Because my understanding is they're allowed to give them the iron, they're allowed to give them like different components of blood, mm -hmm. but they can't give them actual blood. No, because, the, because, because the life is in the blood, you see. Yeah, mm. when it's already mixed together. So they can give them individual <laughs> pieces, but they can't give it mixed. In. No, no. So so God's like judging them for, you know, okay, you can give them some plasma, you can give them some white cells, but don't, no, that's it, yeah. that's it, no, no more. Yeah. But um, it also leads, like, for example, the Jehovah's Witnesses have, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a thing against birthday parties as well. Right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And then, parties just in general. Well, one parties in general, but more specifically uh, birthday parties. 
And yeah, on my on my, on my Facebook, I'm friends with a, a handful of Jehovah's Witnesses who celebrated their first birthday party as like 30 year olds after they left the faith. Mm. Yeah, they missed thought, something. But they did yeah. indeed. And this is the thing: like when you're when you're neck deep in fundamentalism, and your social network is part of you know this ecosystem. When you the, the problem is, you can either go even further into this ecosystem and live in cognitive dissonance and you know in and in and in danger or yeah. you can step out of the bubble and and think for yourself right right and this is the thing this is what I say you know if you if you don't have an honest uh, an honest and independent way of knowing that you're wrong then you'll continue to make bad decisions not just for you like if if you refuse medical treatment for yourself that is entirely your decision like you know, we, we you 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 and I can sit here and we can go. Okay, well that person that person rejected the vaccine. Okay, that's that's their decision. But yeah. when we when we read something about like a a parent who refuses uh, to give insulin to their diabetic kid, or right. a, a parent who refuses a, a blood transfusion for their children, then you're taking it out on your children. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's uh, I think that's where one of the one of the harms is. Absolutely. Is that, you know, if you if you if you're willing to sacrifice your child in the name of your theology, don't tell me you're a good person. Right. Right. But you know, be, yeah. they've got the Bible behind them on that, though, right? Oh damn it! Uh, there's <laughs> child sacrifice all throughout the Bible. Yeah. I mean, the father of faith was going to sacrifice his child. Uh, the God of the universe sacrificed his child. He, yeah, indeed. You have to trust indeed. in God over your love for family. Right. It's a true Christian, and yeah. that's uh, and that's the thing. So yeah, I was, I was going to ask. Aside from COVID vaccines, um, uh, what else? What else is unique in the American experience? It's a good question. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you because you obviously have all, all all this money that's been dumped into uh, the Creation Museum and the the Ark Encounter. Yeah. As well, we, and look, and like if that was if that was purely privately funded, okay, that's fine. But we know that taxpayer money went into mm-hmm. that, right? Right. And then, um, and so that that also ties into our public education. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, this fundamentalism um, in certain communities really impacts how effective a science teacher can be. And what they're allowed to teach. And what they're allowed to teach. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, initiatives to to say, you know, well, if you're going to teach this theory, you know, the, and they say it with that, you know, that sarcasm. That, yes, just you know, the theory. If you're going to yes. teach this yeah. theory of theory. evolution, <laughs> then you have to also teach our theory of creation. Uh, yes, you have to be, you have to be better. Teach the controversy. Right. Another problem uh, I see is with women's health and the mm. abortion issue because uh, yep, yep. you can't be anti. Uh, well, I'm sure there are anti-abortion atheists, but it's mm-hmm. much harder to do. Like most anti-abortion people are believers, and uh, that's tied to again not understanding the science behind the cells and what's happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In my sure. opinion, you know a lot of it. So you have all this political, and then you have. Um, the abortion topic being tied to one political party. Ah, uh, yes. And so yep. you feel really strongly 
that uh, a fetus is a baby. So if you vote for the left, then you're voting to kill babies. So yes, you can't do that the... no matter who it is. Yeah, that's very. Um, I was just going to say because, um, like, uh, abortion is yeah one of those hot button uh, religious yeah. uh, religious topics, and um, I was going to say um, this whole Republican threat to overturn Roe versus Wade. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've pe- I've you know, people who go, oh, it's unconstitutional. It's un, it's un this and it's un that, and it's you know, it's a it's a plot by the the left to kill, you know. And I think, oh, who was it? Ray Comfort? Um, in his in his videos, he, he compares abortion to to a holocaust. He does, yeah. yeah. The holocaust of the uh, the unborn, unborn. <clears throat> the of the unborn. Yeah. Now, now I'm I'm fine if you have your own personal reasons against abortion, but if you actually sure. study the scriptures. You realize that you don't have a theological leg to stand on. No, you don't. <laughs> you can you can you can maybe have an ethical leg to stand on. You know, aside from scripture, you know, like whether you consider a baby to be a um to to be to be a fully formed human or a, a human uh, worthy of 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 rights and and protection. But there's just no theological basis for that. No, right. The the God of the Old Testament uh, endorses ripping open. Pregnant mm-hmm. women's bellies. Yeah, blessed, blessed is he yeah. who te- who rips open your pregnant women. Yeah. yeah. Blessed is he who dashes your young ones against the rocks. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and numbers numbers five verses eleven to twenty eight actually describes um a an a, a procedure to cause a miscarriage. Right. Yeah. If you know in uh, if you su- su- oh if you suspect your your wife of of uh, infidelity cheating on you right mm-hmm. yeah uh, so yeah this the god of the of the bible is is pro-abortion he's not it's and not and, and also anti-women's and, right. and also anti-women's rights because in that passage yeah. the woman doesn't get a say in if she if she uh takes part in the ceremony or not the woman could be compelled right, right. on the mm-hmm. on the suspicious feeling of her husband but this is another yeah thing where they don't understand the science because I think the test is they mix like dirt in I don't know things off the so, ground so, and yeah, so, water and, and, and drink yeah. the whole thing yeah she has to drink it and, and, and then and if ink, she gets sorry, sick so, so, and ink from a scroll as well oh mm-hmm. right right and then if she gets sick she's guilty <laughs> so like you can imagine like having to chug all this stuff and then you're just trying really hard not to throw it up <laughs> like right. <laughs> It's going to be a disaster for you if you do. Indeed, so, indeed. Um, so yeah, if you said if you if you if you consider a book written thousands of years ago uh, to be your ultimate authority, then you are you are at best going to live in some sort of dissonance where you know right. you're tied between two worlds. Mm-hmm. But at the at the extreme end, or um, well, at, at the extreme end, you're you're a liberal who takes everything in the Bible as mythology. Or, or, mm-hmm. or as figurative. Mm-hmm. But then at the extreme end, you then get to, you know, Kent Hovind and you get to Answers in Genesis and you get to Ray Comfort um, and yeah. you get to Kenneth Copeland who, you know, um, has who have very unique, the- very weird theologies that, mm-hmm. you know, disregard, you know, modern science basically. Yeah. And you do. Thing- you have extremes. Mm. You have extremes on the far liberal and on the far like conservative for how literal the Bible has to be. You've got those people who think that Jesus didn't even exist. He was just, or that he's not even the son of God. He Mm -hmm. 
wasn't resurrected. He's just a real good guy. It's God's <laughs> yeah. model on earth on what we should be like. And that's the whole salvation story. Model yourself after, you know, be good, be moral. Mm-hmm. And that's all the way liberal, you know, you don't even need a resurrection story. And then no. there's all the way literal. Um, and then you can be anywhere you want to be and still find reality for yourself in there. Indeed. It's almost like God uh, is a reflection of who you want to be. Yeah, Absolutely. It's true. Um, and that's uh, kind of goes back to, I think, something you said towards the beginning of our conversation about um, about how uh, really morality isn't based on the Bible, mm. uh, but rather our our morality dictates our interpretation of the Bible. Very yeah. good, yes. Pe- people read the Bible to um, guide their morality, not to inform it. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah anyway, um, yeah. Uh, what's coming up next on the podcast, Kenny, Monica? We actually haven't even – we haven't talked about what we're going to do next. Yeah. Uh, we, have a, we have a running list of, oh, of okay. ideas we have, but uh, we haven't quite narrowed it down to what our next – can you couple give episodes me, will be. Can you give me some clues? Yeah. yeah. What do you have our list? Yes. Pause for just one second. Yeah. Um, where is there it is. Okay. Um, at some point we would like to discuss uh parables and mm-hmm. just kind of debriefing a few key ones that we find interesting. Yep. Um, we want to talk about the end times and heaven and hell and like oh, the apocalypse. Oh, yes, yep. Yeah. 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 And, and just yeah, the various theologies that go along with that, and, mm-hmm. and how you how people can interpret the Bible various ways, mm-hmm. um, and, and then uh, mysteries, uh, just in general, we 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 imagine we can talk about um, multiple diff- we can have multiple episodes talking about different mysteries like, like the, the Trinity, how prayer yeah. works with an all powerful God. Oh yes, oh. and then. One of the things we've been really trying to focus on, especially this season, is not just explaining how the morality of or how we view the morality of the Bible to be off, but what the Bible actually teaches about it. Like we're trying to stay, use our Bible knowledge, basically, because that's what our friends have told us that our strength is really, is we know the Bible Uh, pretty well. Both of us have read it a lot of times, but especially Mm -hmm. Kenny, he's read it. I don't even know dozens of times <laughs> um, and we've yeah. done Bible studies on it, you know, so that's where we uh, thrive. I think compared to other atheists who are still on the right track, but they talk about different things is that we can go over the stories and kind of interpret them how Christians do, and then kind of point out why we see it not lining up now. Yep. And so, yeah, when we go through these things like Trinity, we'll try to use the scripture that supports the Trinity and then debrief. From there, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say because I, I love that about your podcast is that you know, one you are both two people uh, with different uh, different opinions, but also that you have that you know that pastoral background that yeah. allows you to get a little bit deeper than uh, unqualified people like myself. Even though I have an opinion, um, you got you guys have that that deep uh, experience to be able to extract the goodness out of whatever it is that you're uh, that you're talking about. 
Yeah, thank you. You seem very educated on the subject too. You've read a lot of material about it and know about a lot of people. That's 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 probably my strength in that. I've I've like I've only read the Bible cover to cover twice. So I'm sorry, I'm I'm a noob compared to you guys. Um, <laughs> but yes, I have. Jealous of you actually. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've wasted a lot of time re rereading this Bible. Yeah, I know. Whereas, yeah, my strength is, uh, I suppose, you know, I have read uh, read upon a lot of books, and mm -hmm. you know, I've just uh, well rounded. So, uh, what's uh, on for what's on for the rest of the weekend, guys? Um, we we actually have we have uh, a house guest. We have a house guest right now um, who. He is uh, in the country from Germany, okay, yeah. and uh, we will be taking him. Uh, he's he's going to be studying at Baylor um, this semester, so we'll be taking him there uh, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we'll just be kind of hanging out with him. Yeah, we met him at a game night uh, that we found from a Free Thinkers website. Um, oh, okay. Like thirty minutes away, so we did game nights with them, and we met him, and uh, we got along really well. And then he needed a place to stay for a few nights, so Aww. we'll probably play a game tonight. And then drive them tomorrow. Sounds. What good. about you? What do you have them, Kat? Oh well, geez, it's uh, it's coming up to lunchtime now. Uh, Sunday, oh, yeah. su Sunday lunch. Um, yeah, we're gonna go to bed soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just trying to think. I might do a little bit of a tidy up around the house. Uh, if there's see if there's any work for next week. Otherwise, yeah, because my city is in lockdown, there's I, I can't go too far from the house, except to go to the supermarket to get essential supplies. See, I'm jealous of that too because here it's even hard to get people to wear a mask. Oh. Much less do a lockdown. A lockdown will not happen. I don't believe that that will happen. Well, look, no. if if you guys get sick of Ken Ham and AIG, you can come to Australia. Thank you. You're more yes. than welcome. Or Germany, guys. apparently Germany. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, we have a German contact. <laughs> whichever, whichever, one's, whichever one's closer. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got good contacts now. We're doing good. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to get out of here. So, Kenny, Monica, thank you for coming onto the podcast. It's been a pleasure chatting with you for the last hour and a half about a, a topic that's uh, close to my heart. Yes, thanks for having us on and talking to us. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> More than welcome. Look forward to look forward to uh, seeing you around. Yes, for sure. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Have a great week. See you guys. You, you too. too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.